Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman, trade deadline edition year five, six. Kevin, we've been doing this for a hot minute. How you doing, bud? You have a special guest in the background. Oh, he's quiet now, apparently, but yes. <laughs> I have a baby and a loud dog now, so the dog's still worse. It's fun. I, I do not have my cat because I'm not at home. I'm in a random uh, recording studio part of our uh Offices here at Arizona Sports. Uh, apologies in advance here if we get a little bit erratic or off topic or fail to centralize because trade deadline day is often one where Kevin and I want to record right after. But Kevin has been manning ArizonaSports.com this whole time. I woke up, showered, drove to shoot around, drove back to the office, watched the trade deadline, popped on the air for three segments, and now I'm here recording with you right after. So our brains have had very little time to process things. Just wanted to say that ahead of time. And with that in mind, we are going to be playing on podcasting again tomorrow. So if you're hearing, hearing this, whenever you're hearing this, there's likely going to be another episode either up shortly or by the time you're hearing this. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about what the Suns did during the deadline, what they didn't do during the deadline. Tomorrow is where we will get more into the play of the team lately. Um, buyout candidates that emerge uh, and, and specifically probably more on Aaron Holiday, who is one of their two acquisitions today, because I, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I haven't seen much Wizards hoop this year. I got to go watch some before I give a in-depth uh, opinion on, on the new guard the Suns have brought in. But just to kind of recap what has happened, Kevin, uh, the Suns trade Jalen Smith and a future second round pick. Do we get the years on that yet, Kevin, or no? I don't even think we did. Uh, so a future second round pick to the Pacers in exchange for Torrey Craig. It is a reunion. Huzzah. And then the Suns trade cash, basically, to I don't even know if they traded cash like you usually trade cash in trades. They acquired Aaron Holiday, the, the point guard from UCLA. Longtime listeners, Kevin, the Aaron Holiday rule. It was bound for him to be a Phoenix Sun at some point now that we named a rule after him. Uh, Aaron Holiday comes to the Suns, and basically what the Suns do is take on his money, uh, and they take on his money as a team over the cap because of the disabled player exception from Dario Sarge. It had been reported that the Suns did not get this exception taken in. Um, last we heard, about two, three months ago, we've been asking, for those of you tweeting me, being like, why don't we know this? Why didn't we know this? Well, it, we, we can't, like, not, we, we, we asked them a couple of times, so I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but they've had this exception for a while now, obviously, uh, because the deadline was January 15th, the exception for Dario Sarge. I don't know if I said his name yet. Essentially what this is, and Kevin, you pointed this out in your tweet, a very rare player exception uh, trade where there is no player going out in the deal along with the exception. The Suns are taking the however million dollars that they have from the Sarge exception and using it as a way to take in Aaron Holiday's money. Now the question becomes who they cut in order to get that roster spot because the exception, the, the exemption, or exception, exemption, exception. See, this, that's why we need the warning uh, for, the, for the brain erratics. My hamster wheel in my brain is going 300 miles an hour. Um, the exception, now they have to cut someone because it doesn't give you a roster spot. We'll see who that is. Could break during this podcast. We would suspect 
it is Abdul Nader or Alfred Payton. It would be genuinely shocking if it was anyone else, just based on how Biznak Biombo has assimilated himself uh, with the Suns. And that's it at the bottom of the roster. Obviously, it can't be Ish Wainwright because he's on a two-way deal. That would not create the spot. I don't believe Holiday is eligible for a two-way. I don't think that's how it works. So, Kevin, here we are. Um, the Suns bring in two players who they will use uh, for basically nothing. Is that fair to say, Kevin? Uh, no shots at Jalen Smith, but he is the fifth string center, a second round pick in the 50s, and an exception. That's basically nothing. It's good stuff. Executive of the year, I think that guy is, right? Yeah. I mean, if let's even say that, like, if Nader, we don't really consider him just because he hasn't played a big part of this rotation. Um, like, you got four guards now that you can use on the back end after Book and CP and the Tory Craig thing. I think we, I don't remember if we talked about it a lot in the podcast, but we just didn't talk about it maybe because people know him already. And I think I threw in like, Oh, they could just trade him for Jalen Smith. Their salaries match up at the end of some podcast we did. But yeah, I mean, continuity, I think is the word where, Last podcast or a few ago, we talked about, okay, do the Suns make something like drastic? Do they think that, okay, we have a flaw, we're going to take a risk and make a trade to kind of take that next step, but maybe reimagine ourselves? And the answer is no. Um, They did the most obvious thing by making the Torrey Craig trade again, um, getting rid of the guy who they didn't pick up his option. Um, So you could have foreseen all these things probably. And that's because this team does not want to go away from continuity and they want to add players who know. And like, if we talk about buyout guys tomorrow, Etwan Moore was bought out. Like that's probably not going to happen because that was a thought of mine before the Aaron holiday trade, but like it's it, it just lining up to make sense where they're just trying to add guys on the back end um, and really bet on team first basketball if a guy gets hurt, goes down, next man up. Um, obviously, you can't replace their probably, what, four best players. But after that, it's it's really about numbers and having options to outplay teams. So I think um, at the end of the day, we weren't surprised by anything. No, this was if, – if you would have proposed this to me as like a fake deadline, I would be like, yeah, that, that sounds like about what, what you would think that they would do. Um, both you and I predicted that they wouldn't do anything at the deadline just because these deals are so difficult to pull off. Like, I think I can't express that enough. Like getting Tory Craig for cash last year, getting Tory Craig this year for essentially nothing, like I said, um, and, and then getting from their perspective, at least. And again, the whole thing with Jalen Smith's contract and how other teams can pay more for him if they want is an interesting part of him. He didn't get rerouted, right, Kevin? I, I didn't see that, but I wanted to make sure. Not that I saw. Okay, so he didn't get rerouted. They get a deep second-round pick uh, and then the exception. So I, I think for all of that to happen, if someone would have said, yeah, the wizard, like if someone sends me a fake trade, Kevin, where they're like, yeah, Aaron holiday for an exception. I'm like, why would the wizards do that? And here they are the wizards doing it, Kevin. They just did it. Um, Oh, they're selling everything over there. Yeah. Yeah. Fire sale over there. Just complete rebrand. We'll talk more about Aaron holiday tomorrow. I don't really want to dive into who he is as a player until I watch a little bit of what I'm going to be able to today during an extremely busy day. Uh, But what, happened with him essentially was 
he goes to a Pacers team and tries to kind of fit in where he can. He starts a lot of games from what I remember, Kevin. Uh, wasn't a decent amount. I'm sure you did the story in half. half. Yeah, he started half of his 66 games played in the 2019-20. That's pandemic season, right? I can't keep this straight. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's the end of the pandemic so, here. Um, 25 minutes per game. Yeah, like 10 points per game, three and a half assists, 39% shooting. That was his best season, too. So, um he was actually pretty efficient this year from two more than three, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to judge a guy off of um, who played for the Wizards, and he did start 14 games for the Washington Wizards this year, too. Yeah, so to basically give a brief overview of his career from our perspective, at least, I, basically what, what it comes down to is he's a guy who goes to the Pacers, gets picked in the first round a little bit too high, in the opinion of Kevin and I, to give the background of the Aaron Holiday rule. Kevin and I, as diehard U of A fans and alumni, alumni, will watch the U of A team. And if we see someone like Chris Duarte, we go, whoa, is he an NBA player? Uh, we we kind of look at guys like that from a Pac-12 perspective. And Duarte, who proved the Aaron Holiday rule very wrong, Kevin, did not do that. But Aaron Holiday, we named the rule after him because he was a guy we watched and we didn't really think much of him as an NBA prospect. And then he goes in the first round of the Pacers. It's a crowded backcourt there, Kevin. It's it's not like they didn't have competition. TJ McConnell comes in and becomes like one of the best backup guards in the league. So then them moving him last year makes sense. But the way they moved him, they moved him to move up nine spots in the back half of the first round. They moved from 31 to 22, including Holiday in the deal um, to Washington in order to get Isaiah Jackson, who was their guy. Um, so that kind of gives you just an, a, a little bit of an inkling in terms of how Indiana thought about him, how Washington thought about him, what his value is around the league. And that's something that we can interpret off as well. Just looking at his shooting numbers, Kevin. Um, and then he goes to the Wizards this year. I think the, the good positive sign from a numbers perspective is that he's shooting 46.7% this year because he was a guy that was shooting 40% for his career in his first three years with Indiana. And when I'm looking at these numbers, Kevin, 55, 54, and 45, those are his percentages at the rim. Um, in Indiana. Those those are not that great. And then from the mid-range, Kevin, 33, 33, and 35. Those are rough. So those numbers have gone up this year. He's all the way up to 62% at the rim this year, 47% from the mid-range this year, which includes a 40 of 80 mark from the short mid-range, which is like kind of that floater range or, or those touch shots. So that's an encouraging development for him in terms of efficiency. We'll have to dive in more, but uh, Kevin, I can't see someone being high enough on Aaron holiday to even think that this is someone who comes in and competes for campaigns job, right? This is just tying up the back of the bench and looking at those Alfred Payton minutes for what they were this year, which were pretty rough until the last couple of games. And you get someone who you probably have more faith in at this point. And that I I would assume, I I won't even assume I can say like, he's got to be a James Jones kind of player and someone that they've been interested in for a while for him to come in here and um, earn a spot on this team. Yeah, I think, though, that, like, if things go worse for campaign, um, I, I don't think he's a better player than campaign, but um, if he's more steady and less erratic, maybe, and campaign just, like, loses all of his confidence, like, I am not saying that I expect that to happen, but I'm saying if it did happen, um, he might be that guy. He doesn't have the same shake, I don't think. He doesn't have the same size um, from a defensive perspective, but like if you're down to your third point guard and you have him versus Alfred and he has just a better offensive, well-rounded more game, um, then I think then Monty will have to make decisions there. So 
I think that's kind of where it's coming from is just upgrading the bench third guy on each spot. Like, do you have more options? Do you have another body if people are injured? I think that's a really good way of putting it with holiday because we shouldn't rule out like that. He's the backup point guard once playoff time comes, but it is funny, Kevin, I uh, messaged Mike Prada who works for SB nation does some of the best NBA stuff you'll see year round and has been for a while now. Uh, he's a Wizards fan, I believe. He, he originally came from SB Nation's Wizards blog, if I remember correctly, and I just tweeted him like, hey, you, you, man of man who watches Wizards, human being who watches the Wizards play, what do you think of basketball, man? And he said uh, what he had to say on that was that he's erratic but can, but can make a difference, and that sounds exactly like campaign, which is interesting. <laughs> if I had to pick someone for them to get as their third string point guard, I would have guessed like more of just like a rock-solid guy a guy who is never too high, never too low, more of a consistent guy. But it sounds like they got another version of campaign, essentially, from someone who has watched more of Aaron Holiday than pretty much anyone um, that's not involved with the Wizards uh, this year. So we'll have more on him tomorrow. But Tory Craig, Kevin, this is not one we have to go too in-depth on again because we just saw him play for this team last year in the same exact role. The, the line that I'm using in the story that I'm writing and the line that I used on the radio is that we wrote the story, we talked about names on here, Small ball fives, it makes sense. We called it the Tory Craig role where you're the fourth wing, but you can play some small ball five. Uh, they got a guy named Tory Craig for the Tory Craig role, Kevin. That kind of makes sense. I wrote in our story, I don't know if you saw, what a bunch of idiots. And <laughs> all this time talking about what the Tory Craig trade could be, and then it's just that. And so, yeah, what a waste of time. What a waste of time, indeed. I think that. It, the one of the things I'm focusing on in the story that I don't think I talked about enough last year is his rebounding. He averaged four and a half a game last year and like 19 minutes a game. So when you go from like a per 36 perspective, it's pretty ridiculous. He had a lot of great rebounding games, but the reference point that I always bring up is game six of the fi- of the West Conference finals. Cam Johnson gets food poisoning. Paul George is lighting them up. They've lost three games in a row in the, at, at that point, I believe, or no, two games. They've lost two of three. They've lost two of three. They're trying to clinch this series out. Paul George has been killing him. Torrey Craig comes in, has the highest plus minus of anyone on the floor, despite only taking three shots. That's because his defense on Paul George was awesome. And it's it's really um, – it, it's just not that surprising to see it happen again. But to go back to our point, Kevin, of just like how these trades kind of operate, I, I've used this example in, in the past, but you kind of look at like what the Kings did with Halliburton um, and – if a lot of other teams would have known that Halliburton was like actually thought of as a possibility to be included in a deal with the Sacramento Kings, they would have gotten a lot of phone calls. But ultimately, that probably didn't matter, Kevin, because the Pacers had Sabonis and the Kings wanted Sabonis, and that was it. That's all that really mattered. And in this particular case, it's it's a much smaller example of just being in the right place at the right time. James Jones has proven time after time on the trade market that he can be that guy when it was trading back five spots, picking up. Cam Johnson uh, later in the draft, but getting Dario Sarge in that deal as well. And, and I think that that's something else that we can talk about here, Kevin. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on Torrey Craig because we've, we've seen him play. We've talked about him so much on this podcast, and we'll get into it more when he plays. But a chemistry fit, uh, and it's just going to be another guy who provides a boost to this team. I will say, Kevin, that when Langston, Javon, Langston, Javon, and Torrey were the three guys on the bench, really, that were like the energy of the team and just like really kept them up a lot along with campaign and with three of those four guys around watching the bench at the start of the year, it was like, Oh man, like those guys are, those guys are gone. And I was kind of wondering like, will that be like a minor impact at all? Just not having that much energy around JaVale McGee has come in and just like double that energy by himself essentially. And then you bring Tory back anyway. 
Um, so I, I think he's a really good addition in a, in a multitude of ways and getting him for what they did is pretty, uh, pretty substantial Kevin because he's on the books for next year right and I don't know how people are looking at it in terms of the money on the books for next year but I think that's a plus you don't just get him as a three-month rental you get him for next year too yeah I mean I'm gonna echo what you said about just like I think Tori Craig on Instagram is one of the better follows for me like he posted a highlight reel of him falling over and top I mentioned that on the air yeah it's like it's 12 different clips of him over his career just eating it yeah (laughs) and and like that's his energy but also that's like his personality where he's i think just from observing pandemic wise afar like he's just a fun guy to be around you mentioned the card playing i think too but i guess from a basketball perspective when you look at both of these deals it's like I've been critical of the team not using its two-way contracts. Um, if, if we're critical about the Jalen Smith non-contract pickup, well, the five million you just mentioned of Tory Craig next year basically goes slots in and next year into having a rotation player in the future in, in the same sort of way before he's off the books. Um, so if you look at okay, valuing roster spots getting the most out of each roster spot. You turn Jalen Smith where you don't know if he's going to contribute. He's behind three true centers and some hybrid centers in Dario and Frank. I know Dario's not coming back. And the wings, as far as he's never going to play, um, you get his contract off and you replace it with the Torrey Craig contract who, again, redundant kind of player, but different in enough ways where he's going to be used in the playoffs. That's an improvement on um, the Aaron holiday thing. Like I, I looked this up too. I think they could reapply for the DPE, the disabled player exceptions. Um, I think 30 days after the, the NBA is like, nah, um, they must've reapplied or something since we, I think you said that we heard that they didn't get it. Um, but they apparently reapplied it and they squeezed um, salary out of that to pay someone else basically. Um, and again, they're going to have to figure out the roster situation from here. So maybe there are things we said that aren't true anymore, but all that said, I, I think it's just really good, like balance between, okay, we know we have to make moves. Like some fans are saying we have to make, see the Suns make moves because this is a championship window. But to me, it's like, Maybe there's not a good trade there, but they squeezed a lot out of maybe there wasn't a blockbuster that really helped them, helped them, helped them, but they did not waste the trade deadline. So I think from that perspective in the locker room, that goes a long way when you see the front office is loading up for a run. Um, Obviously from a fan perspective, like I, I think people will at least be satisfied. Like they're trying to do it this year and have no stone unturned on the roster. Yeah, and and it, to go back to my point that I made on the podcast last week, Kevin, my my top nine obsession of like them having one through nine the best, Tory slots into that now, um, and and so even when you look at like the two other guys, Shaman and Payne, the two you hesitate about, well, like Tory Craig now now you go one through ten, uh, and and I think he's just like a no doubt like eighth, ninth, tenth man is as rock solid as any other team could have, um, I. Should we even read anything into his Pacers stint? I really don't think we should. Like, I'm not, I'm barely going to mention it when I write about it. I don't think we should at all, right? I mean, I just quick uh, aside. 
I, I don't know if he improved that much, but he did like just barely watching them and looking at the stats. He like did more creation stuff like shot clocks winding down. I'm going to like take a guy off the dribble um, that he, I'm sure he had in his game last year and he probably won't flash as much with the Suns. but that, that was my only observation is he had a little more freedom, but that was because that team was not very good. Yeah. Kev, uh, if we were, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to say it, but like he'll he'll just go back to what he did. Like it's it, I don't think it matters. I don't think he's gonna come in here and think of himself as more of a shot creator now that he did it a little bit more. Like he's not that he's never come across as that type of guy ever. Right, um, right. So I one of the big things here, we'll we'll talk about Payne and Sham at War tomorrow when we talk about Aaron Holiday, because I think that conversation goes together. Um I don't think we have any closing thoughts on Jalen. We talked about that during the uh during the deadline for his option and his option going away, what they did there. You can go back and listen to that episode for those thoughts. I, I think with him, um, they, they get Bismack Biombo, and I think that really added the possibility even more that he was going to get moved because you third string center when Kaminsky's out, when Kaminsky is healthy and he's going to be back by the end of the year, it sounds like um, he's the fifth string center. So there was just like no role for him on this team, even though he had proved that he could play productive minutes in those roles. But again, Kevin, if we're talking about like the playoffs, like do you trust him in the playoff minutes? I sure don't. So I I don't think it ever was going to really work there for him. But one guy we should mention before we go, Kevin is Dario. Dario's still here. Um, Now I think that he still becomes a guy in the off season that could become a trade ship and Shamit is still here too. So I think those two salaries being tradable and Dario, especially being on an expiring and being a good NBA player, could be someone of interest, but of course they could just bring him back to play his role that he did last year. Uh, but he hangs around. And I think Kevin, we should emphasize that is that he hangs around because he means a lot to this team. He's very important to their team. Monty Williams has said he's one of his favorite players he's ever coached. Chris Paul has said Dario's one of his favorite teammates ever. If you don't trust those two guys on opinions on basketball, then uh, I don't know who you're going to trust. It, he's a huge part of their team and it's good that they were able to keep him in this type of environment where, they did so and they made their team better without having to give him up because I think he does matter their team this year, even if he's not playing. Yeah. I mean, him and Crowder really are going to be interesting. This is looking way ahead, but into next year where they have those salaries that are kind of in that space where they're useful, um, whether that's trade, whatever. So again, like you said how important they are as like fabric members of the team. And so it's interesting that, Again, they they found ways to make upgrades without touching any of those important pieces. You know what I mean? Um, as much as guys like Jabari type of deal were last year, um, they they did a pretty solid job keeping everything together. And now it's kind of what we thought: it's minor upgrades, uh, keep the thing rolling. Keep it rolling, man. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we could do scattered thoughts on the deadline tomorrow, Kevin, because I'm honestly not in the headspace right now. I haven't been able to keep track of all the deadline moves that went down. We can talk about that tomorrow. I just laughed out loud a lot in the newsroom at the Porzingis Burton swap. Two oh. horribly overpaid bad players. Let's see if it works out. It's the it's the Wall Westbrook trade again, Kevin. Except it's foreign big men that shoot. Yeah, uh, one makes half the money, so they got. They got Dinwiddie out of it too. So, oh yeah, that that we will talk about that tomorrow. I think in terms of looking at the teams that got better, got worse. Dallas is probably the team that got better for sure. Dinwiddie is a good part. I didn't mention that on the radio when we talked about that. Yeah, we 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 mentioned him in our little preview. We did good on our preview, by the way, Kevin. Like half of those players got traded. What is Houston oh, yeah. doing? 
Are they oh. just fine? Houston. What are they? No, we'll talk about this tomorrow. We got to talk I tomorrow. I don't tomorrow. know. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, I'm I'm rushing us out of here because I got stuff to do. <laughs> really got, there's a basketball game tonight. The NBA Finals rematch, no less. There's an NBA All Star Draft in three hours. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Great. Yeah, yeah. Tina Charles is talking. Yeah, dude, I gotta like head out for the arena at like four. I gotta. Yeah, so I gotta scram. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, though. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, and uh, appreciate you guys listening to a podcast like this where we're just kind of trying to get something out for you guys or quick thoughts, but more extended in-depth stuff tomorrow because it's a busy, busy day over here uh, for everyone involved. Like the Coyotes just did something with their arena. Like Kevin's got to go do that now. So yeah, busy day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks, bud. Fun yeah. talking with you as always. Have a fun day. You will not get any rest for a bit. Yeah. Uh, please no practice tomorrow, Monty. I'm just going to put that in the universe now so I can sleep, but it'll be probably yeah. practice tomorrow. So, uh, all right, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, uh, find your feeds and listen to the next episode. <laughs> we'll see you then.